0: hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the competitive enablement show on the compete network i'm your host adam mcqueen and today we're bringing you a special session that was originally recorded at the first ever winner circle event powered by the compete network double check Research's ceo ryan sorley Forrester's Derek O'Grady and Seismic's Valerie Bernaldo joined Clue's very own Brandon Bedford for a session that we called Distributing Win-Loss Insights Across the Entire Business. These win-loss pros really dive deep into what you need to do to build stakeholder buy-in early, why you need to keep a consistent set of questions quarter over quarter, and how you should think about communicating win-loss findings to your executive team. You'll also hear the previously unreleased Q&A session featuring these experts that was a part of our live audience session. Couldn't keep that one to ourselves. And one housekeeping note before we get into the episode today. We do have some exciting news here over at Clue. We have launched the biggest compete event of the year. It is Compete Week coming to you on November 29th to December 2nd. We've got some of the biggest names in compete running short, sharp tactical sessions where you're guaranteed to take away something that you can apply into your own practice tomorrow. There's gonna to be workshops, there's gonna be roundtables. Some of the biggest names in the industry are all going to be there. Plenty of details coming out soon. The full lineup release will be out November 8th, I believe. But you can save your seat today and that's all in the show notes below go to competeweek.com so excited for this thing it's going to be one of the most unique virtual experiences we've ever put together we're, we're taking a we're taking a big swing here and I can't wait for you all to be involved so that's the plug with that said let's get into today's episode
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me at the Winner's Circle. Uh, My name is Brandon Bedford, the Competitive Enablement Manager at Clue. And today I'm moderating a panel on distributing win-loss insights across the entire business. And I'm joined by my esteemed panelists here. I'd love for you all to just do a very quick introduction, uh, maybe share your name, uh, where you're from, your title, and also uh, how long you've been involved uh, in win-loss. So maybe we'll start with Derek.
2: Great, well, uh, thanks for having me. So I'm Derek O'Grady. I'm the Vice President of Customer Experience at Forrester. Uh, I would have to say I've been involved in win-loss reporting for about 10 years, but uh, since I've been at Forrester, which has been about two years, we're really taking a a deep dive, um, not only on the reporting, but on the analytics. Um, I think that's really crucial for us. We consider it part of our voice of customer program. That's why it's rolling up to me in CX.
1: Awesome, and how about yourself, Valerie?
3: So I'm Valerie Binaldo, I'm Director of Product Marketing, focused on Competitive Intelligence at Seismic Software. And I've been with Seismic for a little over two years now, running our win-loss program. Uh, but I would say I've been involved with win-loss for the last six years at various companies. Um, sometimes running it on my own and now being able to partner with DoubleCheck and running our win-loss program here at Seismic.
1: Awesome, and perfect segue to, uh, to Ryan.
4: Hi, I'm Ryan Sorley, I'm with Double Check Research, I'm the founder and I've been involved in win-loss for about 25 years. Uh, my career started in sales and then sales leadership uh, and then moved full-time into win-loss about eight years ago. So glad to be here.
1: Awesome. And so to really dive right into this topic, so the panel today is all about distributing the insights from your win program. So I'd like to start with you, Ryan. Um, Obviously, as part of double-checking your your history with win-loss, you've seen many different win-loss programs, probably the the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, I'm I'm curious, why do you think the distribution of insights is such an important topic?
4: It's a place that people tend to get hung up with win-loss programs. So they collect a lot of information through interviews and surveys. Uh, They end up with this big mound of data but the challenge for a lot of folks is what to do with that mound of data. How should they create research deliverables or who should they share it with or not share it with? So I think a lot of people end up getting stuck in this um, kind of cycle of not knowing what to do. And for that reason, it could make the, the program start to you know lose momentum. So we believe that smart distribution uh, ends up amplifying the value of the program, which leads to meaningful change actions that drive meaningful results. So super important topic that a lot of people struggle with today.
1: Awesome, and I love the way you think of that as like amplifying the impact of the program itself. And so I'd love to uh, toss it to you, uh, Valerie. I know when we were preparing for the session, you had shared actually that you've had recent success in senior leaders at Seismic actually using your insights. So I was hoping you could uh, speak a little bit about that experience and, um, and how that's been going so far.
3: Great, so I would say what really helped is that from the start, we pulled together key stakeholders across our organization folks from sales, marketing, enablement, product operations to really determine what was important for them to learn if we ran a win-loss program. And this really helped me to develop the survey and the interview guide that would be used. And right from the start, when we saw our first quarter of results, the senior leaders really saw the value in what we were finding out through our win-loss program. And it it was around just um, learning about engagement with our buyers and how we were running demos and product offering and that really drove discussions around opportunities for us to make changes or corrections that we that could be made and that really helped by being able to sort of point in one area and then bring forward the the metrics that we were measuring against to see did we make any notable changes from quarter to quarter Um, Are we moving things in the positive direction that we're hoping for? So really being able to hone in and understand what do the stakeholders want to gain from this program? And then being able to basically give them their answers that they were seeking. And that really helps them to be able to use the data and see what we're learning and then share it with their teams. It gives them an area to point to and to know where, where to aim.
1: I love that, and so I'm hearing a couple things there. One was this concept of kind of getting early wins and showing the impact early on uh, kind of gave that direction and also sounds like built some relationship with those senior leaders, but also the setting of those objectives early on in the program, which I know we'll touch on more um, in today's panel. I wanna to toss that to Derek, cause I think uh, Derek, your experience at Forrester is unique in that kind of coming, from, uh, coming to the win-loss program from the customer experience lens, it sounds like you had very clear objectives around what you're going to achieve. And perhaps those goals have evolved over time. So I'd love to hear your experience coming from customer experience.
2: Yeah, no, great. Um, there's really a two part answer to that. So just as you know, with my CX leader hat on, you know, I'm I'm really gold with retention, right? That's our, that's our goal here. We want to create experiences for customers that um, lead them to continue to be customers, right? So a little bit of a different perspective than your traditional win-loss, maybe coming from a sales um, background. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, we, we really consider this uh, a key listening post for our voice of customer program. So that's that's the overarching um, piece and we're focused more on, um, on churn and retention as opposed to win-loss. We do that as well, but um, uh, specific focus on retention. I think the other piece though, um, and it, it builds on what Valerie was talking about, there's a, a what's in it for me that you really have to make sure you're clear on. So we could say, hey, we're doing win-loss reporting and people say, great, I kind of get it. But if we have a very specific reason why we're doing it, and most recently we had a a fairly large product launch, we wanted to do some retention reporting, um, some churn reporting on existing customers, really to uh, tee up uh, insights to our product teams, to our digital strategy teams, to our customer success teams who would have to design and support the new product.
1: Awesome. So I, I want to touch on something you mentioned there around the metrics, because um, that's that's a great point. So coming from the cons- customer experience lens, as you mentioned, you're looking at renewal, you're looking at churn, and, and having those metrics carved out gave you that clear kind of north star. And that's something you just touched on as well, Valor, is around having those metrics. Um, what kind of metrics do you use at Seismic? And um, how do you think about that, um, that kind of uh, what's in it for me or what's in it for them as you think about those other stakeholders that you're, you're supporting?
3: That's a great question, um, and this is something that we we have evolved over the quarters as we're learning more and more. Um, but we're asking questions around um, the experience with the seller. We're asking questions around experience with our messaging when they're what they're learning from our website before they even start the conversations. Uh, we're asking them what's important to them as they're looking to buy an enablement software. They have certain criteria that they've set out to. Um, purchase, how are we meeting that criteria? So understanding the importance of it so that we can make sure that our message is resonating with them. Um, And if it's not, that we're looking internally to figure out how to drive an initiative around that change that's needed. Uh, So those are some of the metrics that we're using to try and measure. And as we're doing it quarter over quarter, having been doing this for almost two years now um we've been able to see how it's changed over time and and that's been very helpful and very motivating for the leaders who are using this data who want to reflect back on well how does it compare to what we did last quarter and this to this quarter
1: Awesome. And so I, I I want to dive into that topic more, but maybe before we do to provide a little bit more context, I think um, we're all familiar, familiar with DoubleCheck's process of providing these learning objectives early on. And it sounds like that's kind of like the step one to this, which is have that, you know, what's in it for me, engage those stakeholders early on. Ryan, could you maybe touch on the, that kind of uh, that initial process that you recommends and that you implement with clients Uh, and then i'd love to kind of circle back towards kind of step two and step three that valerie's touching on around how those may change Uh, but yeah maybe just to start around um, that initial process of gathering those objectives
4: yeah so it's it's just super important that when you're launching a win-loss program you really know what the um Individual objectives are for each one of your kind of functional areas. So we always recommend going to the leader within that group. It could be product, customer success, customer experience, sales, um, product marketing, and asking, hey, what are you looking to learn through this effort? What's most important to you right now? And then you want to start to dig into like, well, if you have this information today, like what would you do with it? Are you going to just keep it on your laptop and, and look at it? or are you actually going to bake it into a product roadmapping quarterly meeting that you have or an upcoming sales enablement session that you're planning at the mid-year meeting or maybe you have a board meeting come up coming up and you really need a lot of great competitive intelligence. So by doing that, uh, w- what happens is those leaders start to lean into the program that much more and they start to get really excited about the outcome that is yet to come Um, And they start to visualize and depend on what it is that you'll be producing for them. So you end up getting a lot of people to have a sense of ownership into the program. It becomes stickier and the program takes off as a result of it. So it's a super important step to not skip at the beginning. And then you need to kind of go back to it on a quarterly or biannual basis because those leaders needs change, they shift constantly. So you wanna keep that conversation going.
1: I love that. And I think what you pointed out there, if if I'm hearing you correctly, Ryan, is, you know, asking those typically senior leaders in those departments, what's important to them, but then also getting clear on like, how are they going to use that intel, right? Is it going to be in a product roadmap deck or enablement session or training? uh, Or is sales going to use this to rethink the sales process and really getting crystal clear? And then I, I love that concept of like getting them excited about the results that haven't even come yet, but it's getting that early buy-in um, that it sounds like is is so critical and why that's such a important first step in the program. Uh, so maybe to, to jump back to Valerie then, because I know you were kind of alluding to this in that you had those initial goals set out, it sounds like very much through that, that process, but then you've noticed that those, um, perhaps those goals have changed or the, Results that you've seen in your win loss program have started to shift your focus. So I'm curious if you could dive into that or what you're working on right now, perhaps if it's if it's relevant.
3: So when we when we're doing win loss, um, we have a core set of questions that we stick with because we want to know importance of what the buyer's looking for, importance of how our uh, sales team is engaging with them across the sales cycle. Uh, but maybe we would want to measure how a recent product launch went or maybe how um, some new messaging was presented in the sales cycle. And so we may pull out data specific to that in the interview guide and look for the qualitative results around what the customer's real impressions were, how did something resonate? And that's the the great thing about being able to do a quarter over quarter program is to be able to go back and, and look to see um, what was consistent in our surveying and our in our questions, as well as where did we see the conversations sort of shift as we um, brought forth new initiatives and new features?
1: Interesting. So if I'm if I'm hearing that correctly, Valerie, like you're you're getting these insights, and through those rounds or I guess um, you know continuations of the program as it's evolved, uh, there is this kind of elevation that's happening, perhaps by you know, from previous results, but it's it's mm-hmm. it sounds like it's compounding. It's not like, you know, there's just this one blast of Intel or Insights. Uh, th- that kind of round of, of Insights can actually help inform the next round and it, it becomes this kind of additive process, if I'm hearing you correctly.
3: Yes. What, what we hear sometimes in interviews, we may not have considered before bringing up in the discussion. So maybe there are customers who bring up topics that we hadn't really focused on and maybe we hear it multiple times and it's like, okay, I think we need to dive into this a little bit more next quarter because it's something that bubbled up enough that um, we want to carry it forward. So there's a lot of great learning from having these conversations with um, buyers and, and those who were losses to understand what should we be looking at that we hadn't been looking at already.
1: Right, right. And so I'll, I'll toss it to you, Derek, cause I'd love to hear from you, but I just wanna share just something that triggered in my mind, because actually at Clue, we, ru- we run a win-loss program in partnership with DoubleCheck as well. And that fully resonates with me in that we, so we just did a kind of cohort around uh, losses to competitors. And we found some key reasons that were surfaced from that. And now we're looking at our next cohort to look at wins versus those competitors. And because we learned what those losses are, we're gonna incorporate that into the wins. Like how did they get over those same objections? Um, And so it's, it's, I think it's, we wouldn't have gotten to those insights or thought to even investigate that area if it wasn't for that first set of interviews. So it's almost like you're getting to further and further layers, Uh, you know, insert your analogy, if it's an onion or an iceberg or what have you, but you're getting deeper and deeper as you get more insights. So, yes, I'd love to hear from you, Derek, in terms of like how that has kind of evolved that
2: Forrester and and within your own program as well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I like the I'll go with the onion. All right. (laughs) Um, It's all additive. So I think you do. uh, You know, you we we come into some of these studies with hypotheses and there's a lot of folklore around these. Right. Uh, People have opinions that they must be right. They've been working here. They know what's going on. And um, you learn something new from every conversation. And I think. You know, one of the benefits of of trying to do this in depth through interviews is you you are able to get to that level of detail and put some things on the table that aren't that obvious that you can build on. So I think um, there's definitely a I'll go back to the iceberg. There's a snowball effect uh, to this in general. Um, One one other thing to throw on there, too, just because um, we are focused on clients is that um, there's detective work involved in this. So. It's all about value delivery, which is very much in line with uh, the mission of CX. Um, but when when you're speaking with clients, you know, so they believed in the company and they made the purchase, and uh, hopefully uh, these are win interviews, right, or retention interviews, and we're finding out uh, how we were able to deliver on that and what worked well. Um, but when it does go off the track, you can learn, you know, wh- what is the difference, right? You, you believed in us to sign the contracts. But then maybe you didn't to to renew. You know where did where did it go off the track? And it can go a number of different directions. And I think there's uh, there's a tremendous amount of insight to be learned from um, really having that investigation.
1: Totally, I love the like kind of both analogies there. One, the detective one, I mean, we are Clue and that's very much where our inspiration came from is you know in our roles, whether it's win loss or competitive enablement or understanding the market, um, there's this element of connecting the dots and taking clues, if you will, or hints from data sets and putting them together, so I love that. Um, and so I'm curious uh, maybe to hear from you, Ryan, um, is that something that you see as consistent across clients you work with? Is that something that you'd say as, you know, uh, dare I say, like kind of a best practice to, to do? Or how do you think about that evolution um, as a client continues using Double Check or, or evolves their program over time?
4: We hope. I mean, that, that's the goal is to have a uh, kind of a longitudinal program over time so that you can compare and contrast. Um, some people do treat win-loss programs as projects and they want to just drop in collect a lot of information on a specific topic or competitor and then they want to they want to step back out so we we believe in the value of ongoing research being able to identify those shifts in the marketplace that you can react and respond to Uh, so love love programmatic approaches but we also believe in being agile so when valerie talked about we use the same questions Absolutely, because you want that consistency so that you can analyze the data, but those questions have to shift from quarter to quarter, as Valerie had mentioned, with new topics coming up, you want to make sure to double down on those areas. So, you know, we call that an agile win-loss program for, for that reason, so.
1: Gotcha. So it sounds like there's a bit of a balance there. You want the consistency so that you're not changing too many variables. But if you learn something through the program, of course, you'd want to incorporate that learning perhaps into the, the rest of the program. And so I want to actually tie back to something you said, Derek. On the And as we think about kind of the distribution of insights, I, I love that you share around the folklore, right? And this is something that resonates, I think, in competitive enablement programs is you kind of have this hypothesis or you know, either you have that hypothesis or different stakeholders, different teams have their own hypotheses. And uh, win-loss, I guess, in my mind, very much is a way of confirming or rejecting those hypotheses with data. And so I'm curious if anyone here thinks about when when it comes to distributing those insights, do you ever package those win-loss insights together with other kinds of intel, let's say, uh, whether that's through, you know, CRM or um, other insights, or like, how do you think about that when it comes to distributing win loss insights? Does anyone have a perhaps a story they can share, or um, way that you've been thinking about that?
2: I, I'm happy. I'm happy to sure. So um, I mentioned earlier that uh, I view win loss as another vehicle of voice of customer. So when we deliver voice of customer throughout the organization, it's never one dimensional. We try to say, Hey, here's what we're hearing through our surveys here's what we're hearing through win-loss, here's what we're hearing through voice of customer, uh, sorry, voice of employee or through our website uh, feedback. So it, it always has to be in context of, of that information because without it, you run the risk of people saying, well, it, are you sure it's not just one customer saying that or maybe maybe, okay, you heard it from two people. You have to triangulate that to really build your story. And I think if you provide evidence across different listening posts, package that together it's really powerful and it has credibility
1: i love that yeah i like the the term triangulation sorry valley i was just gonna toss it to you actually how do you how do you think of that
3: definitely building on what derek said when we look at our win loss there's the analysis that we do with the help of um, double check but there's also the deeper numbers across the percentages of wins versus losses and what trends we may get from the seller notes um, to layer on top of what we hear in the interviews And then I always mix it in with, well, what are we seeing in the marketplace? What are the trends in our space? What sort of announcements have been made around our space, either from the analyst community or from our competitors, so that it factors into what I'm reporting out? Because win-loss is one point, but you have to look at the greater overall win-loss. You have to look at what products across your product offering, um, and then share back and one of the reasons that a lot of our information resonates with our product team is because they're doing a lot of the voice of the customer information and they want to be able to attribute what they're hearing back into the win-loss to see is there a correlation there because we're talking to net new customers whereas they're talking to um, customers who've been with us for a while so there's a lot of opportunity to really layer in the levels of knowledge that we're gathering
1: Awesome. So I'm, I'm hearing though, that there's like, there's a consistency around voice of customer. And that's like a really important message here. And even if you're interviewing, like you said, net new business or lost business, there is still that triangulation that can happen between perhaps what the product team is doing around voice of customer and what you're hearing in the market. And then even to your point, Valerie, perhaps other external market signals. And I loved. I just love that term. You mentioned Derek around like triangulating. Um, it's just how do you get these data points uh, so that you can kind of uh, reinforce the hypothesis and say, hey, this is not just, um, you know, yes, there's some great data within win loss, but here are other things that we're seeing. And win loss, it sounds like and not to put words in everyone's mouth, but it really drives the the thesis and takes it from kind of a folklore or a hypothesis to something more more firm um maybe ryan if you have any final comments on that we'd love to hear your thoughts
4: yeah i, I think you know we have to meet the consumers of win-loss data where they where they go right so do they go to seismic for information and is seismic the place that everything else kind of meets? so that you're providing a fully formed story to sales or to leadership is a clue that people go to by taking the win loss data and inserting it with all the other data that Clue pulls into to their platform on the battle card side. Is it teaching salespeople to do a bit of a better job on collecting intelligence from buyers and being a little bit more accountable to putting that data into the CRM system in a way that's, that's actionable and meaningful? So we see a lot of people do a lot of different things to pull information together to supplement uh, win-loss or competitive intelligence to be able to provide a fully formed view
1: of what's going on. Awesome. And so it looks like we're running out of time before the uh, live Q&A session. So if we could, I'm just going to go around the horn quickly. If you could share one, you know, in one sentence, ideally, if you're speaking to someone right now, that's just building out their win-loss program and just getting started, what advice would you have for them? And maybe we'll start with uh, Derek.
2: Sure. Yeah, I think packaging the information is absolutely critical. And um, your key stakeholders are your executives. So package it for them in a way that it matters, right? So don't throw a thousand things at them, give them the top three headlines of what you learned.
1: Awesome. How about you, Valerie?
3: So I would say align your stakeholders, make sure that there's value to each team you're presenting results to, and provide recommendations on the results that they're seeing. So what can be done with the takeaways from that quarter's um, win-loss analysis.
1: Awesome. And how about you, Ryan?
4: Same. <laughs> I think I think Valerie and Derek hit it on the you nail know, on the head. You, you have to go talk to your stakeholders when you're launching a program, sit down with them, take notes, ask what they're looking for. Don't try to necessarily come up with your own deliverables, ask what they're looking for, and then build deliverables around their particular use cases.
1: I guess something that, was, that kind of stuck in my mind was something that Ryan said, actually, which was um, talking about the stakeholder survey that you do at the beginning of the program, right? And I think that's such a critical, um, phase. And I know, you know, the topic of the panel was distributing win-loss insights. You, you think, Hey, we'd, we start at the end, but I think the, that really starts from day one, like that, getting the buy-in from senior stakeholders, um, to say, Hey, what are the things that you're interested in hearing from our win-loss program, uh, getting that buy-in early on so that they feel like part owners in the program. I feel like is such a critical step um so maybe if we could start there i'm curious um if either of you have thoughts or want to flesh out how you thought about those learning objectives from the beginning and how that maybe uh, helped you distribute win-loss insights um, as you started collecting them
3: so i'll jump in um i would say that you really have to have somewhere to aim i mean you can't run a win-loss program without knowing what kind of goal you're trying to get to. And it's figuring out where to aim by asking key stakeholders in the company. Um, I focused on the chief marketing officer, the executive team, the uh, head sales leader to understand what value they would want to get from it and what kind of hypothesis were they churning on in, internally on their own, trying to think about um, and that really helped to build the program and then be able to know what to distribute back to them. It, you know, Without knowing where to aim, you can gather a lot of information, but who's going to draw value from it? And, and I do make sure that when I'm presenting back the results of our win-loss, that I'm uh, presenting to the individual groups. You know, I'm going into the product team and talking to them about what is relevant to them and where they want to focus, and then going in and speaking with the sales leaders and, and focusing on what's going to be relevant to them. Um, and that really helps uh, not only build on what we're doing and gain momentum, uh, but really drive value for everybody.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I, an analogy that I've heard, I don't know if where I heard this initially, but it's kind of like if you have a ship that's leaving the harbor um, and you don't have any map on it, it's, you know, it's anyone's guess where it's going to end up on a shore somewhere. But if you, if you have a map, if you have that target, it's a lot more likely than, than not that it's going to end up in the places that you want. So having those learning objectives early on, um, I, you know, let's put it quite simply, it's like having that, that target, um, some great questions in the chat here. So I want to maybe move on to, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, say uh, do you want to hop on to, to ask your question or I can also read it out
5: sure brandon um so thanks everyone great session um my question was more around um you know we sometimes struggle to find a balance between uh, distributing win loss interview reports and insights making sure all the right people have access but also making sure uh, confidentiality is maintained um so kind of struggle to figure out what is the best place to kind of store these reports distribute them and how do we how do we really find that balance
1: that's a great question. Um, Derek or Ryan want to take that one?
2: I can offer an opinion on, on what we're doing. So the, the volume of um, reporting is not, you know, hundreds and hundreds, um, but the depth is really what we're looking for. So we found that um, when the interviews do go into depth, it's not usually about anything that's controversial. You know, they're not, they're not spending 45 minutes talking about, Oh, I didn't like this interaction with this individual they're really talking to us about value delivery for the most part. I, it takes the emotion out of it. Um, so we ha- really haven't had any gating factors in terms of sharing the information. I think it's been constructive information that we can make business decisions on. So, um, you know, we haven't really encountered that scenario. As such, we've made the insight avail- available to pretty much whoever's wanted it or asked for it.
5: Okay, got it. Thank you, Derek.
2: Sure. It looked like you were going to jump in there, right?
4: I can add in. Yeah. So, so I think that we can answer that question in different ways, but uh, sales is a big stakeholder, of course, of win-loss programs. And ultimately we want them to be more successful using the learnings from the program. So we do want to share the stories with them. We just may not want to share the full story with them. So what we do is we actually redact reports so that if there's a mention of a sales performance, that's not ideal or, you know, something that may not be uh, content that you want the sales team to to read, we can go through and create a separate version of that report, therefore you're able to share it more widely. And in some cases we'll redact the name of the company as well um, and any sort of identifiable information about the company that we interviewed. So you can really freely share those reports to uh, throughout the organization. As far as storage is concerned, different people store the content in different places. We prefer a tool called Dovetail, which is a research workspace where you can store the data, you can text code the data, you can come up with research, different research deliverables using your data. We see a lot of our clients dropping their content into Seismic uh, or any other solution like Seismic on the sales enablement side. Clue, um, a lot of our clients want to move the Win-loss data into Clue. So we're working with Brandon and other people at Clue right now to make that happen. So um, hopefully that answers your question. There's a bit more context there.
5: That's great, Ryan. And just a follow-up question there. You said, you know, you can like trim the report a little bit and then share just certain parts of it. So basically, you're intending to share a different report um, for the sales leadership versus versus the AE's or the ground level sales, right? Is that what you what you were alluring to?
4: That's correct. It depends on the culture of the company. Some companies are very open to sharing, yeah. but others uh, do not want that kind of information floated yeah. out there.
5: Yeah, definitely helpful. Thank you.
1: Yeah, awesome. Great question, Sally. Uh, let's let um, see, Valley. Anything you want to add to that, or
3: I think that was a great answer from both Derek and mine. All right, All right. awesome.
1: Next up is another Brandon. Great name. Um, do you, Brandon, do you want to hop on to,
0: to ask your question? Sure thing, Brandon. Good name. Hey, my question is, how do you, how have you guys approached a Salesforce that wants to, in a sense, we're taking our program online, but wants to gatekeep certain opportunities or companies that they don't want any coordination or us talking to? Have you guys experienced that? And how's your, your best way to overcome those objections and, and get full buy-in from the sales team?
3: I can start. Yes, sorry, Darren. <laughs> um, so... I have run into that a couple of times. You know, I obviously I have a list of people I want to reach out to and include in our win loss analysis. I share it with the sellers who represent those companies, um, and I'll get individual pings back saying, "Can we not reach out? Can we not do this?" Sometimes it's an opportunity for me to remind the seller of the purpose of the win loss and the learning that we're trying to get, Um, and. You know, I recently had a seller who did say, you know, we didn't get really good engagement with this customer. I'm not really sure that there's a lot of value in reaching out to them. And I said, well, you know, they chose a competitor. This is a great opportunity for us to get the value out of what that experience was like for them. And uh, were they biased towards, the, towards choo- choosing the competitor from the outset? Um, and we did secure that loss interview. And we are learned, getting a lot of learning back. So I do push back. Um, not too hard, uh, but I do let them know. Let's consider the value that we're trying to, to get. And I would say so far, fifty percent response rate on yes, go ahead and reach out, or no, I'm still staying with my no.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And yeah, sometimes there could be like a very valid, you know, reason to avoid the account for whatever reason. But oftentimes, there's just this, you know, kind of natural uh, protectiveness, and and oftentimes, like you said, Valerie, those accounts can glean some of the most valuable insights. Um, Derek, you look like you want to, to jump in as well. So, I'm curious. You're- I,
2: yeah, I think Valerie said that nicely. The, the only pieces I'd add on is, uh, and you just alluded to this, Brandon. There are there are valid reasons why you wouldn't want to reach out to the customer. Um, so, their experience is a very good reason why. Right, that's number one. If it's not going to be the right experience for them for whatever reason, then take them off the list. The sales team might be involved in a win back or maybe the deal has slid and it's still active. And if you get in there asking win-loss questions before the deal is actually lost, then you're, you're really not doing any uh, good there. But to Valerie's point, I think if you can reiterate the value of getting the insight and how it is gonna benefit the sales team, um, you'll break down most of the walls. Great points. Anything you'd add, Ron?
4: Yeah, so I think a lot of the pushback comes from salespeople who um, haven't given up on the deal, like maybe the buyer went quiet and they just they're hoping that it's going to pop back into into their pipeline. But in those cases, if you're allowed to conduct a win loss interview, if they're if they're open to it, uh, we often will be able to create reports that give them insight to help actually get the deal back on track. We might find out really interesting stuff that they had no idea about and they can ultimately use to your your analogy that the ship uh, leaving the Harbor, they can use that as a map for being able to get back in the door and ultimately winning the deal. So um, yeah, and and then using sales leadership sales leadership should hold the team accountable at the end of the day, if people are pushing back sales leadership should step in and, and say, listen there's no reason for you to be really pushing back on that one.
1: Awesome. Just a little, a little quick plug too. I think one of the reasons that we really uh, benefit from working with Double Check is um, the fact that it is a third party, uh, you know, conducting the interview does remove a lot of that pressure, I think, from those scenarios, right? And not to say that, you know, there's, I know there's a lot of product marketing teams that I've worked with or CI teams that conduct win-loss interviews themselves. I mean, bandwidth and like kind of time effort aside, there is that element of, hey, here's a third party that's coming in to ask questions um you know we're not trying to sell you more in this in this call right and and there's this kind of uh neutralizing element to that and so i think that can also help potentially um if you are facing that um that kind of resistance from sales and i say that as a as a former seller that's kind of now on the other side um kind of seeing both sides of the coin yeah great question brandon um awesome eric you got another question here do you want to pop on to, to ask that one
6: yeah, absolutely. Thanks uh, for having me again uh, ask my question. But uh, for you guys, I'm, I'm looking at win-loss as kind of a holistic approach. Um, very familiar with, with kind of the post-close transaction, but i um, toying around the idea of in the middle of the deal as we're pro- progressing through the opportunity stage in Salesforce um, specifically, have... Um, questions, you know, basically, you know, win-loss survey questions for our reps to answer. Um, it could be, you know, they ask those specific questions to the prospect, or it could be more of a um, cerebral approach on, on their end, such as what are some of the, the key things that worked um, in this call or some of the, you know, triggers that you saw that really resonated with the prospect. Um, so really, from your guys' perspective, do you find value in that, um, for one? Does it give me some leg room to keep on this venture? And if so, do you guys have any recommendations on how I could actually execute that properly? So I can kick off
4: that that one. Uh, great question. <clears throat> and the, the analogy that I have to, to your um, scenario is that uh, w- we actually can do that regularly on the renewal side. So... When you think about churn research, which is a you know cousin to win-loss research, we're, we're dropping in to find out why the organization decided to leave, uh, but we also will drop in to find out why they decided to stay right before that renewal point. So if we were to take that approach and adopt it for kind of the pre-close process on the new business side, we could definitely uh, drop in or you could drop in and ask questions just to find out how their experience is going and if there's anything that, that, they, that you could do to improve it and, and position it more as a voice of the buyer um, study that you're conducting and you wondered if they'd be willing to participate. The, the only challenge is sales, frankly. Um, you know their, their willingness to allow you into their deal um, and their fear that you might mess it up, right? <laughs> but by reaching out. But I think if you turn the crank a few times and show them that it's a worthwhile effort, and you can collect great insight that ultimately will help them close a deal, you'll probably get people lining up to uh, participate to throw their deals into the hat. So I think it's a great idea.
2: Awesome, Valerie and Derek.
1: Any uh, any thoughts you have?
2: What I think uh, it's a little bit different than what you asked, but. I think if you have good um, opportunity management hygiene, part of that should be a win-loss reason at the end. So it's a little bit different than what you asked and that you're not coming in in the middle. But um, one thing I would just be cautious of is each time you ask somebody from within the organization to do another task, it, it really adds up, right? Because you're not the only one asking. So I would just be selective about when's the right time to ask for the information. To me, it feels like when the opportunity is closed, um, that's part of the workflow. I think if you try to ask for it systematically at other junctures, it might be perceived as just one additional thing we have to deliver and you might not get the response you want. Mm-hmm. So I,
1: sure. I, I almost heard your question in a slightly different way, Eric, around, you know, kind of Again, it brings me back. I mentioned this multiple times on the panel, but the term triangulating that uh, that Derek mentioned is you, know, you have these great, very deep insights from these win loss interviews. Are there any other sources of data that you can also, you know, compare that to? Whether that's, you know, like you said, surveying your sales reps, churn analysis, um, but even other things like customer reviews online, uh, maybe product feedback or a customer support portal. Maybe you're getting, you know, signals from there. And so I think there's this element of, you know. Again, maybe it's because we're at Clue, but we think of it, you know, very much as being a detective and putting together these different um, data sets to really flesh out that hypothesis to turn that, you know, as, as Derek put it, from folklore into something that's more confirmed. Um, and obviously, win-loss is a, is a very valuable um, kind of intel source for that. But I think there's other sources that we can leverage as, as um, CI professionals to really strengthen that as well. I think we have time for one more question here. Um, so, Sayali, maybe I'll invite you back on to, to ask one more.
5: Hi, yes. Yeah. So, my question is, uh, in recent times, we've seen um, challenges in getting a good response rate um, in our Windows program and we're reaching out to customers. So, And what we mostly see is that they they just don't have the time to respond and and, you know, they're busy or whatever. So, do you have any suggestions or recommendations on how to really try and improve that response rate from customers?
2: Just drawing on my CX experience, we do a lot of surveys um, within the team and I would say the kind of the golden rules are keep them short. Um, You can consider incentives, but there's obviously a budget uh, component to that. Um, And then think about who is sending it, right? Is it coming from somebody they know? Is it coming from uh, somebody in a kind of a more official capacity? you could experiment with different techniques along those three dimensions.
5: That makes sense.
4: Yeah, I'll add that you know, there, there's this last sales stage that people forget about, which is the feedback stage, right? You've closed the deal, um, you've moved on to onboarding, but before you move on to onboarding, there's that moment where you do wanna understand like, why they chose you or why they didn't choose you. It's really the, the responsibility of the salesperson at that point to say, hey, Thanks for choosing us. Would you mind participating in a short third-party interview to collect some intelligence about your experience? Or hey, sorry you didn't um, didn't select us. Would you mind uh, participating in, in a conversation? So I think that there's an opportunity for sales to get more involved and seed the opportunity for them to to say yes to the interview and improve your your conversion rates. So. That's one, um, one suggestion that, that I think will yield some positive results for you.
5: That's a really good one. So in essence, we kind of have to, have to systematically work with sales to uh, get them to also take a little bit of ownership uh, for getting those interviews for us, right? Yep.
4: Just set, yeah, just setting expectations.
3: Yep, very helpful. Thank you.
4: Awesome. Valley,
1: anything you want to, to add there?
3: All great points. I mean, you know, we tried a little bit of all of that. Um, I encourage our sellers to send that warm introduction about our double check research to let them know. First of all, it comes from a name and a person that seismic that they already know, they're familiar with. It's not coming from an unknown factor um, to avoid spam or the impression that it might be spam. And then um, being really being able to get them involved, maybe have them introduce it, um, even before their close won or close lost a deal to let them know we really value this research. We really see the benefits and really want to make sure that we're incorporating all your feedback back into how we conduct our sales cycles. So um, having them involved really does help and uh, keeps the buyer related to you and to what you're doing, even if it is a loss.
1: Mm -hmm. I I love that. And like, as, as someone that's been on the seller side and is now part of like buying and evaluating software and partners, I think, you know, when you, when you choose to partner with uh, a provider or a partner or a software provider, um, that's an exciting moment. And that's a great time to ask for that positive feedback. You know, why did you, you choose them? And, and oftentimes that is like a, a moment of relief. And conversely, I think, you know, when you, um, when you're in a, you know, evaluating multiple options and you say no to another provider, like no one loves doing that. Like no one loves breaking up with someone or, or breaking up with a vendor in, in an evaluation. And so I think, um, just making those asks, I think, you know, it's great advice around getting sales involved in that process because yeah, sales built up that relationship. And I think it's, It's a it's very natural coming from them to ask that question. Um, Great advice, thank you. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Great, great questions. Uh, I think that's uh, perfect timing uh, once again. So uh, thank you, uh, Valerie, Derek, Ryan, for uh, participating, and uh, thanks everyone for uh, for the great questions.
2: Thanks, everybody.
3: Thank you. Thank you.